A warning, this episode features dramatizations and discussions of bullying, graphic violence, and death. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Also something to note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of a single myth about the Fossagrim. Today's episode combines elements from various Scandinavian legends for dramatic effect. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Each week, our show explores folklore's most notorious monsters. We'll dive into the cultures that birthed these creatures, learn about where they came from, and discover what universal fears inspired their creation and continue to terrify us today. In today's episode, we're discussing the Norwegian water spirit, the Fossagrim. This impish creature bestows the gift of music upon desperate pupils for a price. The Fossagrim does not ask for much, but if you fail to uphold your end of the bargain, you'll pay dearly. You can find episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up, more on the Fossagrim's musical origins. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Norway's famous violinist and composer Ole Bull remains immortalized as a magnificent statue in the city of Bergen. There, he's positioned at the top of a small fountain styled as a waterfall, valiantly holding his violin. But those who look down at the statue's feet will see a smaller figure kneeling with an enormous harp. Though the figure's muscles bulge as he lifts the instrument, his face is serene. This is Ole Bull's tutor, the Fossagrim. Ole Bull's musical genius is said to have been magically given to him by this water spirit. This story is so well known, in fact, that Ole Bull's legacy has become synonymous with the creature. The Fossagrim bestows travelers with the gift of music in exchange for a hearty meal. Those seeking help may find the mysterious water spirit in rivers or lakes, but the Fossagrim usually makes his home under the rushing cascade of a waterfall. The Fossagrim is generally helpful, but can be malicious. 
And whether you see his wicked side is entirely dependent on the actions of the humans who interact with him. Those who treat him with respect are rewarded handsomely, but those who deceive him face perilous consequences. Some tales warn that a scorned Fossagrim will simply refuse to teach you the fiddle. Others, however, claim he will drown you for your misdeeds. The tale of the Fossagrim makes us wonder what we might risk for the blessing of transcendental talent. Making a barter with a water spirit can be treacherous. Even if you technically get what you desire, it may not always be what you expected. Eric awkwardly grasped the bow and ran it across his fiddle. He winced at its grating sound. He tuned the pegs, then tried again. Once more, a raspy shriek erupted from its frayed strings. He sighed. He couldn't afford a new fiddle, so he'd cobbled together this instrument from scraps of wood he'd found by the roadside. He was shocked it could make any sound at all. He'd been tinkering with it for months and would keep working on it until it could play perfectly. And he along with it. But even if he had a brand new fiddle, Eric knew he might never master it. Sixteen was far too old to learn his first instrument. His father was just a farmer. They hardly had enough for food, much less musical training. Eric knew he would never catch up to the real musicians who played all their lives. But deep down, he feared that even if he did have a real fiddle and proper training, he would still lack the talent. Music was Eric's dream. Whenever he heard a beautiful tune, he forgot he was just a poor farmer's son. But every time he tried to play, he was only reminded of his shortcomings. Eric walked down the dirt road that led into town, plucking the strings of his fiddle idly. He was skinny and clumsy and no good at farm work, much to his father's disappointment. But if he could master the fiddle, he would have something beautiful to offer. Maybe then his father would look at him with love rather than disappointment. And maybe, just maybe, his little village would respect him. As he walked closer to town, Eric heard the smooth tune of a skilled fiddler up ahead. The notes were pure and welcoming, but they made Eric's stomach lurch with dread. A few yards away, three young men leaned against an old merchant's cart near the village entrance. They were all a few years older than Eric and much taller. One of them, a boy named Canood, held a shining wooden fiddle. Canood was a stocky meathead with bulging muscles and thick eyebrows that gave him a troll-like expression. But he played the fiddle with surprising grace, holding it like a fragile treasure while the others clapped out the rhythm. Eric turned to retreat before they noticed him, but then he stopped. His father had tasked him with buying feed for the cattle. If he came back empty-handed, he'd disappoint him again. Eric hurried forward, keeping his eyes on the ground. As he passed the boys, the music stopped and a hush fell over the group. Canood called out, Ah, there he is, the virtuoso himself. How about a duet, Eric? 
A flush of shame crept into Eric's cheeks. He clutched the rough wood of his makeshift fiddle tighter, embarrassed, but he kept walking. Suddenly, one of Canood's lackeys stuck his foot out and tripped him. Eric's fiddle dropped as he plummeted to the ground. He bit his tongue when his body hit the dirt and tasted the iron of fresh blood in his mouth. Eric looked up and reached for his fiddle. Before he could grab it, Canood placed his boot on the violin. You have to ask first, maestro. Eric felt the warmth in his cheeks grow scalding. He knew he was bright red, which only made him blush more. Still, he managed to stammer, Can I have it back? Canood laughed and replied, I can't understand you. Can you speak more clearly? Eric frantically blinked away the tears that stung his eyes. He silently begged himself not to cry. He was 16, not some foolish child, and so he tried to deepen his voice and pleaded, give it back, please. Canood stomped on the fiddle, splintering it into pieces. Eric stared at the shards, devastated. He sat there in the dirt until the boys strode off laughing. Then he staggered over to pick up the pieces. This time, he couldn't stop the tears. They came streaming down his cheeks. His fiddle may not have been much, but it was all he had. And he'd spent so long putting it together, now he had nothing to play at all. Snow-capped mountains loomed above the tiny village of Flom. Eric made his way into the crowded town square and headed toward the feed shop. He didn't go to town often, but when he did, he always felt self-conscious about his threadbare clothes and his two big boots. He could feel eyes on him. When he turned, he spotted a gaggle of girls snickering across the street. He kept his eyes on the ground and continued on. He always hated how people stared. As he walked, Eric spotted the trio of bullies outside the tavern. Canood was entertaining a lively crowd with his fiddle. Eric watched the villagers dancing and singing along with delight. He wished he could captivate people like that. But wishing was foolish. His father told him so. At sunset, Eric mended his damaged fiddle on the bank of the Flom River. Downstream at the river's bend, a mill roared and churned, its wheel sending a cascade of water into the river below. Eric tried to hold the violin steady as he carefully inserted the final piece of wood into a slot that he lined with sticky honey. The instrument slipped from his grasp and fell to the ground. Eric grunted in frustration and tried again. The piece clicked into place and Eric relaxed. Then he set the fiddle on the grass beside him to dry. While he waited, he looked over his shoulder at the shabby farmstead on the hill above the river. That was where he lived. His father was probably wondering where he was, though Eric doubted he truly cared. He picked up the fiddle again and plucked a string. 
the wood pieces held. A gust of wind rustled Eric's hair, accompanied by a soft, soothing melody. Eric looked up, but couldn't see where the tune was coming from. It grew louder, swelling, and Eric's curiosity grew with it. The air seemed to thicken with the notes, forming a warm cloud of music around him. It felt alive. His chest tingled, and when he looked down, he realized he was tapping his foot. His fingers itched for his own fiddle. Before he knew what was happening, he grabbed it and started to play. Eric's eyes widened as strong, clear notes rose from his shoddy instrument. For the first time, he could play a simple, melodic tune. His homemade fiddle almost sounded good. His fingers flew about the strings while his bow moved effortlessly. Tears streamed from Eric's eyes. He had never played this well before. They were simple notes, but they spoke like a whisper in his ear, telling him he was special. He'd only been playing for a minute when the sun dipped below the mountains and pain crept up his arms. When it grew unbearable, he put down his fiddle. His arm ached from playing, but his heart beat with exhilaration. Then an actual voice whispered in his ear, that was quite good. Eric turned to see a small man sitting beside him. His high cheekbones and soft blue eyes were framed by thick, wavy, dark hair from which pointy ears poked out. His skin had a bluish hue to it, like a drowned corpse, and he was naked. Eric looked away. Somehow this man's nudity was more uncomfortable than his inexplicable appearance. But the stranger was unruffled. He nodded at Eric's fiddle with a gleam in his eye. He asked in a soft, lilting voice, Would you like to play like that all the time? Eric's eyes widened. His mouth fell open. Of course he would. Coming up, Eric makes a dangerous deal with the Fossagrim. Listeners, have you heard the eerie new podcast, Superstitions? Every Wednesday, explore the varying beliefs people around the world fear and follow in this mystifying series from Parcast. You do not want to miss it. Each week, step inside stories that illustrate the horror, weirdness, and truth behind humanity's strangest codes of conduct. Why do black cats represent witchcraft? What's the point of carrying a rabbit's foot around with you? And how come certain films seem cursed and others don't? Each new episode of Superstitions presents a story that unlocks the mysteries of unorthodox traditions and surreal phenomena. They may seem cryptic or illogical or completely insane, but then again, do they? Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Superstitions, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Scandinavian mythology and folklore boasts a variety of aquatic terrors, such as sea serpents, water ghosts, and even the gigantic oceanic beast, the kraken. There's a good reason why these unsettling beasts lurk in Scandinavia's frigid waters. According to 19th century author Benjamin Thorpe, the monotonous roar of the waterfalls, the squalls, and the whirlpools that render our fjords and rivers so dangerous, and in which many persons annually perish, have given occasion to superstition to imagine the depths of the water inhabited by malignant sprites. In Scandinavian folklore, the Fossagrim is referred to as both a troll and a water spirit. In Norway, water spirits are called knocks. Some of these creatures lure innocents into rough waters with an entrancing song. Others will seduce victims by changing their form to whatever is most desirable to their prey. But whatever their method, their goals remain the same. They aim to kill, feed, or otherwise take the lives of human beings. The Fossagrim, however, is less sinister in his motives. His rage doesn't come from an inherent need to harm, but it can be provoked by human betrayal. And this is what a young fiddler named Eric was about to discover. Eric stared in shock at the strange creature before him. Finally, he asked his name. The man puffed out his chest and complained, You really have no idea who I am, do you? Eric shook his head, embarrassed. The creature sneered, I am the Fossagrim, the greatest bard the world has ever known, and I've come to do you a favor, Eric. A chill swept through Eric's entire body. He hadn't given this creature his name. The Fossagrim's terseness vanished as suddenly as it had come, and now his eyes were wide with sympathy. I can help you, he told Eric. I can teach you how to play so well that no one will be able to resist your song. Not your father, not Canood, not any villager. In fact, people from all over will come to hear you play. Eric felt suddenly rattled. This strange thing could read his every thought. Eric's eyes turned to his farmhouse, wondering if he should make a run for it. But it was too far, and he was not very fast. He looked back at the Fossagrim, who was watching him with pity. The creature sighed. Ah, never mind. I see you enjoy being the town fool. Go on your way, then. Back to the mockery you love so much. Eric winced. He pictured Canood's boot slamming down on his fiddle. The boy's laughing faces swam before his eyes. He heard the villagers snickering. He knew he couldn't take it for very much longer. Do you really think it is possible? He asked quietly. I don't think I'll ever be very good. 
Eric looked down, his eyes filling with tears. It was everything he'd ever wanted, but he knew. He knew he didn't have a chance. The Fossagrim reached out and gently brushed his fingertips against Eric's hand. At his touch, Eric's fingers flew to the fiddle, plucking the strings with surprising dexterity. Eric gasped, but after a moment, his hand became clumsy and useless once more. The Fossagrim leaned close to Eric, his voice low against his ear. That is just a taste of what I can give you. All I need in return is a small favor, a goat, a whole one that will make a nice dinner for me. That's all. Eric smiled in relief. He had plenty of goats at his father's farm. If that was all it cost for musical brilliance, he'd do it gladly. He hauled himself to his feet, told the Fossagrim to wait there, and scampered off to his farm. The Fossagrim laughed softly as he watched Eric hurry over the hill. He almost felt sorry for the suffering boy. But if he didn't come back with dinner, he'd make him suffer even more. Eric gently pushed open the door to his father's barn. It was late and the goats had been corralled into a pen for the night. They bleated loudly as Eric walked inside. He looked over the edge of the pen to search for a straggler when a small billy caught his eye. He was perfect. Eric undid the pen latch when a voice came from the darkness. Eric, is that you? Eric froze. His father, Akka, appeared with a pail of milk. He gave his son a hard stare. I was wondering where you were. Mutton's about ready. Eric's eyes shifted back to the pen. There was no way he could steal anything under his father's watchful eye. But if he waited till morning, there was no telling if the Fossagrim would still be there. He'd have to try again after supper. Inside the farmhouse, Eric watched his father pull two skewered legs of mutton from the fire. They weren't exactly hearty. Only a little bit of sinewy flesh covered the bone. Ake carried them over to the wooden table where Eric sat and doled out the meat onto plates. Ake spoke gruffly. Thank you for getting the feed today. Eric brightened. His father almost never thanked him, but Ake was not finished. He sighed and said, But I heard you were carrying around that instrument again, all through town. Eric nodded, worried. His father's eyes filled with pity. He looked away and continued, Eric, I wish you wouldn't make me repeat it, but it seems I have to. Dreams become curses when they cannot come true. Eric managed a nod as his heart sank. He stared down at his mutton leg. The Fossagrim didn't think his playing was futile. His father wouldn't be so quick to judge if he'd heard Eric at the river today. Eric's father finished his dinner quickly and got up from his chair. One of the sows is laboring. It's going to be a late night. He moved to the door, but hesitated. He looked back at his son sadly, like he wanted to say more, but instead just walked out and headed for the barn. 
Eric slammed his fist on the table in frustration. How would he ever be able to sneak into the barn for a goat with his father there? He considered his options. He could distract his father somehow, or maybe he could wait until the moment the sow delivered when his father would be too busy to notice. But Eric knew he couldn't risk it. He had to find some other way. As he stared off in thought, his eyes focused on the plate in front of him. The mutton leg. It wasn't a whole goat, but maybe it would be enough for the fossagrim. It was worth a shot. Eric stuck the meat under his arm and picked up his fiddle. Then he opened the door and snuck out into the night. When he arrived at the river, the fossagrim wasn't there. Eric called out to him, but there was no movement around the serene river. Eric eyed the mutton, unsure of what to do. If he left the meat on the bank, maybe the fossagrim would come out to get it. But Eric worried the creature wouldn't realize it was there. So he threw the leg into the water. The mutton leg broke through its surface with a splash and disappeared from sight. Eric waited and waited. His heart sank. He had wasted a perfectly good leg of mutton on a pipe dream. His stomach growled, loudly reminding him of his folly. Below the surface of the water, the fossagrim floated. He watched the mutton leg drift down into the dark depths and was livid. He had high hopes for the boy. Eric was the perfect target, an insecure lad, desperate to matter. And the fossagrim had been generous enough to give him the hope of genius. He deserved the best goat that sad little farm had to offer. He could have asked for the farm itself, and the price still wouldn't have been too high. And yet, the boy thought that a mutton leg would suffice. A scrawny, mangy one at that. He might as well have spit in his face. The fossagrim looked up, where the bluish haze of the moon shone through the water. He should drown the boy, coax him into the water and hold him under, relishing the moment the light disappeared from his eyes. Invigorated by this image, the fossagrim swam up, breaking the surface with a gasp. On the shore, he saw Eric brighten and wave to him. The fossagrim sneered. But as he stared at Eric's idiotic hopefulness, the idea of killing grew less exciting. There were more entertaining ways to make him pay. Coming up, the fossagrim gives Eric the gift of music at a nasty price. Now back to the story. The Harding fella, or Hardinger fiddle, is a unique Norwegian fiddle, similar to the violin. The Harding fella wasn't invented until the 17th century, but fiddling itself has been around since the Middle Ages, and perhaps even earlier. In Nordic folklore, fiddling was often taught by trolls, and in particular, the fossagrim. 
With the spread of Christianity, however, the Fossagrim and creatures like him were portrayed in a less favorable light. The church viewed traditional Nordic creatures as pagan and therefore deemed the Fossagrim and his music dangerous to Christian values. According to musicologist Jameson Foster, the Hardingfella's history provides invaluable evidence of the fiddle's inseparable association with Fossagrim as trolldom. Trolldom refers to an association with pre-Christian creatures and was deemed heretical by the church. But Norway wanted to hang on to their Fossagrim and with it, their sense of national pride. In a country that had seen many of their old ways disappear, the water spirit's otherworldliness felt timeless. Jameson Foster notes, Fiddlers were both living a heroic narrative of preserving tradition while also showing courageous resistance against a foreign authoritative power in playing their instruments which were labeled as heresy. Nothing says I am a descendant of Vikings like defying authoritarian powers, even if it's to fiddle rather than to raid. To fiddle was to keep traditions alive, but with a fossagrim afoot, fiddling could also be deadly. A fidgety Eric watched with bated breath as the Fossagrim waded through the river and onto the shore. The Fossagrim strode up to Eric and took his homemade fiddle. He set it on the boy's shoulder and positioned Eric's good hand onto its strings. The Fossagrim looked at him solemnly and said, I will teach you to play so beautifully that the wind will change course, the bees will stop buzzing to listen, and every living thing that hears your notes will be unable to resist the urge to dance. Eric's mouth went dry. It was all he ever wanted, to prove he could create something beautiful. The Fossagrim whispered, Now tune your instrument. Eric's hands flew over the pegs, twisting them and plucking at the strings until they were perfect. Then he swiftly took his bow in his hand and swept it across the fiddle. Eric's legs nearly buckled at the sound. Whatever magical tune he had played earlier paled in comparison to the single alluring note that had just blossomed from his instrument. He had only just started, and already he was better than he'd ever been. He looked to the Fossagrim for praise, but the creature was nowhere to be seen. Eric frowned. The Fossagrim had said he would teach Eric. How was he going to learn? Eric looked at the fiddle. Again, he swiped the bow across its strings, reveling in the beautiful sound it made. But this time, he didn't stop. His bow arm moved ravenously, producing a brisk, complicated melody that made his heart pound. Each note that resonated from his movements was sweeter than the last. He felt the pluck of the string beneath his fingertips, the lightness of the narrow wooden bow in his hand. A breeze rustled his hair, and the scent of the trees was invigorating. It was like nature played through him. The Fossagrim had done as promised. He had given Eric an incomparable talent. 
On his way up the hill, Eric played with fervor. It was so beautiful, he didn't want to halt his melody for a moment. He passed his farmhouse as dawn broke, laughing with glee when he saw Akka sleepily poke his head out from the barn. His father's stern face broke into a smile when the music reached his ears. He strode out to meet Eric, dancing lightly to the undulating melody. Eric had never seen his somber father dance before. It struck him as odd, but the delectable notes distracted him. Of course he was dancing. Eric's music was irresistible. Guided by instinct, Eric and Akid danced off down the road toward town. Eric kept fiddling while his spirits soared. As he walked, people came out of their homes to join the revelry. Without a word, they eagerly followed his enticing music. By the time he was within sight of the village, 20 people danced behind him. But when Eric glanced down at his hands, his eyes grew wide. His fingers were shredded. Blood smeared across the wood of the fiddle. He'd been so busy playing, he hadn't even felt his fingertips split. He knew he should stop, but the sight of the village up ahead urged him onward. Eric could see that the town was starting to awaken. Merchants opened their stores and shoppers milled about with baskets. As his inviting melody reached their ears, he saw their faces brighten. Eric swelled with a purpose at the sight of their awe. They no longer looked at him with pity. They looked at him in admiration. Then they too began to dance. Men and women, both young and old, took to the streets. Their limbs waved and their bodies spun as Eric's serenade washed over them. Couples grabbed one another's hands and fell into step. Old men tapped their canes and children shrieked with joy. Eric's fingers bled freely, but he didn't want to disappoint the village. He closed his eyes and played with increasing speed and intensity. No longer was he the subject of scorn and pity. Overnight, he had become the best fiddler anyone had ever heard. When his eyes opened, he noticed Canute in the crowd. His hips moved reluctantly to the sounds of Eric's fiddle. When his hard gaze met Eric's, Eric felt his stomach flip. He tensed, waiting for Canood to approach. But instead, Canood raised his own fiddle to his chin. His bow arm moved rapidly, playing a competitive melody. Eric's song sped up, and Canood moved faster. Soon, his body was undulating too hard for him to play. His arms flung outwards, sending his fiddle flying. The fiddle landed in the midst of the revelers, whose dancing feet stomped it to pieces. Eric smiled at the shattered violin, remembering when Canood destroyed his fiddle the day before. He stared at Canood's shimmying body. How wonderful. Now, even Canood couldn't resist his talent. Beaming now, Eric turned to watch his father, Ake, dance behind him. But he noticed that the joy had left his father's face. He asked, 
Father, are you all right? Akis slowly opened his mouth and let out a blood-curdling scream as Eric drew his bow across the fiddle. The burst of sound perfectly accentuated his father's cry, producing a note of melodic horror. Ake went silent while his body cavorted wildly as if he did not have control over his own limbs. Eric tried to lower his fiddle, but his arms were numb. He gritted his teeth, trying to peel his hands away from the instrument, but his fingers continued to fly over the strings. His bow moved faster, almost desperately. Eric cried out, realizing he could not stop. Neither could the townspeople. Everybody around him thrashed about like a puppet, controlled by a madman. An old man twisted in a pirouette, snapping his neck with the force of his turn. He toppled to the ground in a heap. There, a woman lay on the ground behind him, twitching. Her shoes were soaked with blood, which seeped onto the cobblestones. Eric panicked. Sobs choked his throat while his hands flew across the fiddle. The townspeople could not stop, and neither could he. His music would kill them all. Eric turned with dread toward his father. Streams of blood gushed from his ears. Eric began to cry, begging his father to stop moving. But Aki's eyes went dull and rolled back into his head. Then his eardrums exploded and he crumpled to the ground. Eric screamed, but even as he sobbed over his father's body, he couldn't keep his bow from flying across the strings. The horror only continued. One by one, the townspeople's eardrums burst and their bodies gave out. They had literally danced their lives away. Still, Eric played on, his music even more energetic. He couldn't stop himself from playing a whimsical score to the carnage before him. In the end, Canood was the last man standing. He stared at Eric with loathing as his body whipped around entirely out of his control. His arms flailed and his hips shook until he danced every limb out of its socket. His body swung about until blood poured from his ears. Finally, Canood let out a rattling breath. Then he fell to the ground and lay still. Eric gawked at the sea of corpses. Then suddenly, he gasped as his body relaxed. He released the fiddle, and it clattered to the ground with an empty wooden echo. With a wail, Eric fell to his knees, sobbing. He stared at the bodies of the people whose attention he'd so coveted. The Fossagrim had tricked him. He'd given Eric what he wanted, but at a terrible price. And even now, with no one to play for, his hands hungered to continue. Eric slowly reached down to hold the fiddle in his mangled hands. And then 
he raised it to his chin once again and ran the bow over its strings. The Fossagrims sat on the riverbank, listening to Eric play from afar. He closed his eyes, his bluish hands flitting about like he was directing an orchestra. Now that the screams had abated, he had to admit, the young man played beautifully. Norwegian playwright Henrik Ibsen wrote of the Fossagrim, There is a strange power in Nukin's dark songs and in his strings laid. Despite his malignant side, the Fossagrim is generally viewed as a positive influence on Scandinavian culture. He's a fixture of the old way of life and a metaphor for the power of nature to influence art. His unnerving oscillation from helpful tutor to killer is terrifying, but it reminds us of the cost of creative genius. The Fossagrim is a manifestation of the dark, unpredictable emotions that artists draw upon to create. These emotions were historically threatening to the Christian church, which had a more conservative approach to music through the use of hymns. While the hymn is a musical vessel for the church's teachings, music inspired by nature was often considered a pagan relic that Christianity attempted to eliminate. And in this way, the church's attack on the Fossagrim was essentially an effort to control the arts. But music and the emotional response it provokes is not so easily tamed. And while it can stoke pain and rebellion, it can also enrich your soul. As long as you don't sell that soul to a Fossagrim first. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. For more information on the Fossagrim, amongst the many sources we used, we found Scandinavian Folk Belief and Legend by Raymond Kvideland and Henning K. Ziemsdorf, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Alex Garland, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez and Mickey Taylor. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Bad omens, good fortune, pure luck? Take a closer look at what you believe in and follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Superstitions. New episodes air weekly, every Wednesday. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.